0: It's the National League Rookie Team of the Year, including why La LaCruz's 2023 was eerily similar to Aaron Judge's MVP year in 2022. Let's talk about it. Um. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I want this to be your show. If you have show ideas, questions for our Monday mailbag, segment topics, anything like that, tons of ways to get them to us. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. We have a link tree in the episode description, in the show notes. It has everything else, subtext, discord, email, all of that good stuff. I want to hear from you. So looking at the prospect of the the rookie team of the year in the National League, I want to start in the infield and it's spoiler alert. There's a lot of Cincinnati Reds here. Ellie De La Cruz is the shortstop on the team and he had a, a, there was an argument to be made for Ezekiel Tovar and how good he looked on defense. But Ellie De La Cruz had a better year than perhaps a lot of people thought or expected him to have. I want to real quick the rest of the team? We put Matt McClain at second base. I put Christian Carnacion Strand again of the Reds at first base, and Spencer Steer at third. Even though Spencer Steer played more third base, uh, played more first base than third base, and this was just a factor of. You honestly did not have a ton of first base and third base options in the National League, and I wanted to make sure both these guys got in the show. And at catcher, there's a conversation you could have about Francisco Alvarez versus Patrick Bailey. I put Francisco Alvarez on the team because Patrick Bailey was one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball, not rookies, all of baseball, but the offense wasn't quite there and Francisco Alvarez hit and then also showed us he could be better defensively than we were expecting, but. I want to talk about El La Cruz because I I teased a little thing there about how his 2023 campaign was in some ways strikingly similar to Aaron judges 2022 and the stat line don't get me wrong the stat line is not in any way similar so just a reminder Aaron Judge in 2022 wins the American League MVP award He bats 311, 425, 686. The on-base, the slugging, and the OPS all lead baseball. 62 home runs leads all of baseball. 131 RBIs and 133 runs. Both of those lead all of baseball. Uh, He walks 111 times, most in the American League. To 175 strikeouts and 16 to 19 on stolen bases. All star Silver Slugger wins the MVP over Shohei Otani. Absurd year. And LAD La Cruz did not come on conventional statistics remotely close to what Aaron Judge did in 2022. Aaron LaCruz in 98 games 235, 301, 410. 13 home runs, 35 extra base hits, 35 walks to 144 strikeouts in 98 games. 35 of 43 on stolen bases. He has moments that are amazing, right? Ellie De La Cruz hits for the cycle against the Atlanta Braves. L.A. De La Cruz steals three bases in two pitches. He steals second, third, and home. Electrifying moments. He has the hardest infield throw in StatCast history. He has one of the hardest, if not the hardest, hits in StatCast history. He has one of the highest sprint st- speeds of the entire season. And he does all of this at... Six foot five. So he is just a mass of arms and hair and jewelry running around the base paths. Incredibly electrifying player. Now, from an offensive perspective, Ellie De La Cruz had a significant slump. Jump back to July 9th. He was fresh off of a big game against the Washington Nationals. I believe he went something like four for six with a homer and two doubles or something like that. From July 9th through the end of the season, it's a nice sample size, 69 games. Ellie De La Cruz goes 192, 271, 353. He walks 27 times. He strikes out 106 times. Nine home runs, 20 extra base hits. Uh, But... Which is, spoiler alert, not great. And it comes back to that conversation we had at the beginning of the season about L.A. De La Cruz batted 300 at every level of the minors just about, but he also struck out 30% of the time. And at what point was that going to catch up to him? And it's obvious it finally caught up to him at the major league level. This 69-game sample, again, he bats 192, he strikes out hundred and six times, In these 69 games, and the team goes 31 and 38 in this stretch. But, and here's where I cash in on that teasing Aaron Judge to Ellie De La Cruz thing. If you look at some of the underlying numbers, the underlying metrics at the plate for what Ellie De La Cruz was doing, they're remarkably similar to what Aaron Judge did in 2022. Now, obviously, dramatically different results, right? But we talked about this just the other day, process over results. You're doing the right things. It will eventually work out for you in production. When luck travels your way, you have more experience and all of that. So in Aaron Judge's 2022 season, and these stats come credit of Eric Cross, fantasy baseball writer with Roto Baller, host of the Toolshed podcast. Shout out to Eric for digging this up. Great stats here. In Aaron Judge's 2022 season and Ellie De La Cruz's 2023 season, there were four key inputs that were remarkably similar between the two. Zone contact rate. Contact rate on pitches inside the strike zone. Aaron Judge. 852 percent. LED L.A. La Cruz, 84 percent. For the most part, a pitch in the zone, they are making contact on a pitch in the zone. Overall contact. this encompasses pitches in the zone and out of the zone. Aaron judge in their reminder, 2022, 72.2%. LED L.A. La Cruz in 2023, 72.8%. LED L.A. La Cruz was a little bit better. swinging strike rate. This is swings and misses, right? 11.6% for Aaron Judge in 2022. 12.2% for L.A. De La Cruz in 2023. So L.A. De La Cruz swings and misses a little bit more than Aaron Judge, but not much. Whiff, total swing and miss. And then the last one here is whiff. And let me clarify the difference in swinging strikes and whiffs. Ultimately, they're looking at the same thing. How many times do you swing and miss at a pitch? But swinging strike is swings and misses as a percentage of pitches thrown. Whiff rate is swings and misses as a percentage of when you swing. So swinging strike is ultimately how many pitches did you swing and miss on Whiff rate is how many swings did you swing and miss on? Just to clarify that. The whiff rate for Aaron Judge in 2022, 29.8%. The whiff rate for Ellie De La Cruz in 2023, 29.7%. So a lot of the inputs for Ellie De La Cruz in 23 were very similar to the inputs in 2022 for Aaron Judge when he crushed home runs. And the biggest thing is LED La Cruz at the end of the year got dramatically better at some of these things. We've talked about uh, how guys need that sample to see how pitchers are going to attack them and then how they make an adjustment. In the month of September, L. De La LaCruz had the single best outside of the zone swing percentage improvement compared to his season average. On the average he swung at 33.1% of pitches outside of the zone. So chase rate, 33.1%. In the month of September, Ellie De La Cruz brought that down 7.2% to 25.9%. So Ellie De La Cruz as a whole had very similar inputs to Aaron Judge's historic 2022 year. And... The one big glaring issue for Ellie de la Cruz, which was Chase outside of the zone, he got remarkably better at the end of 2023 in the final month of the season. This is all a very long-winded way of saying Ellie de la Cruz could legitimately, if everything goes right, had very similar inputs to an MVP caliber season from Aaron Judge and a full year of experience, a full year of health, the ballpark that he plays in, and a little bit of luck. L.A.D. LaCruz could win MVP in 2024. That's how talented and skilled he is. He probably has the highest ceiling of any, definitely of any rookie this year, if not any player in baseball right now. In just a minute, let's talk about the outfield. Corbin Carroll gets a lot of attention, so does James Outman, but we're not talking enough about Nolan Jones, and I'll do that next, right here on Locked and MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team that you bet on wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. You can use this stretch of the season right now to get used to all the different betting options they have in their very easy-to-use app. You can do spreads. You can do individual player props. You can do over-unders, all kinds of stuff like that. So... Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. Now that we're wrapping up with baseball, you're going to need some sort of rooting interest when it comes to football. Why not make it FanDuel? They are official partner of the NFL. Okay, so I, I talked about the outfield here. They have uh, Corbin Carroll obviously, is the National League Rookie of the Year. He is one of the best rookies in all of baseball this year, and he deserves all of the accolades that come along with that. And if you sort, so if you go to Baseball Reference, they actually have a page that will show you every single rookie eligible player that played in Major League Baseball in 2023. And you can sort them by all types of conventional statistics, right? Games, plate appearances, hits, doubles, triples, home, whatever it might be. Number one on that list under batting, war is, or sorry, is wins above replacement for position players, not batting war. Wins above replacement for position players is Gunnar Henderson at 7.2. Number two is Corbin Carroll at 6.6. James Altman is fifth at 3.7. Those two guys, two of your three outfielders on this team, and Corbin Carroll deserves it. Look, in the major leagues so far, 281, 357, 505. When you extend this into last year as well, his entire major league time so far, that's how this baseball reference dashboard works. 29 home runs, 56 of 62 on stolen bases. Again, 6.6 war when you factor in the end of last season. Number three on this list, for all position players who were rookie eligible in 2023, And he's only played 134 games. Nolan Jones of the Colorado Rockies. 4.4 war despite not being called up last year like Gunnar Henderson was, like Corbin Carroll was. And having 50 less games than both of those guys. Nolan Jones this year in Colorado. 297 389 542. Nolan Jones batted almost 300 this year, and I'm guessing most people did not realize that. He hit 20 home runs. He had 46 extra base hits, 53 walks to 120 strikeouts, and 20 of 24 on stolen bases. He had a 2020 season, and he only played in 100 games. Nolan Jones, any way that you want to Break it down or look at it. Nolan Jones had a very impressive year at the plate, right? And this is like for a guy who what came up with Cleveland. They, they demoted them a couple different times and then traded him. And then he got moved to the right field from third base. Absurd. Nolan Jones is the first rookie in Major League Baseball history. With 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and 19 outfield assists in one season. Now, the hard part here is his team went 59-103, and right? Like, part of the reason nobody's talking about what Nolan Jones did is because of how bad the Colorado Rockies were. And on a Colorado Rockies team that was historically bad, like not just the record, right? This Colorado Rockies team... Had a franchise low batting average as a team. They batted 248 as a team, right behind 2021 for worst. Lowest on base percentage in team history at 310, and set a team record with 1,543 strikeouts this season. Their starting pitcher ERA was their second highest in franchise history at 591. Their relievers, had a had a major league baseball worst ERA of a 5-4-1. Like, nothing went right for Colorado. But Nolan Jones, absolutely, not only things went well for him, but he even bucked a lot of the trends that you see with Colorado players. What's One of the big arguments about Colorado players is like, they're great to have in fantasy when they're playing at home, but you bench them when they go on the road. Nolan Jones played 52 games at home, 54 games on the road. He batted .306, 398, 530 at home. 10 home runs. Um, 19 extra base hits. I can't do math in my head that quickly. On the road, again, 54 games. It's two more played appearances, 213 versus 211. He batted .288, 380, .554. He had a higher OPS on the road. He had 10 home runs, same as he had at home, but he had 27 extra base hits as compared to 19 extra base hits, 27 walks to 50 strikeouts at home, 26 walks to 76 strikeouts on the road. So he did strike out more on the road, but he hit for more power, had a remarkably similar batting average and a, remar- and a remarkably similar on base. It's just... What Nolan Jones was able to do offensively transcended his ballpark. And then defensively, the range wasn't great for Nolan Jones. Like what's up front, let's say that. He was pretty poor as far as range. Arm strength, the stat cast leaderboard, 100th percentile in arm strength. 98.9 miles an hour. Again, 100th percentile arm strength. 100th percentile in arm value with eight runs saved from just his arm in right field. Again, 19 outfield assists. One of the more fun things you can do is watch Nolan Jones throw guys out from the outfield. It is incredibly entertaining to do. And I just want to make sure that everybody understands and appreciates exactly how good Nolan Jones was and how you now have three very good defenders on this Colorado team with Ezekiel Tovar at short. It was very tough to not have him in my rookie team of the year at shortstop, but I want to talk about Eladio LaCruz. Uh, with Brenton Doyle in center field, how he was he's going to be a candidate for the Platinum Glove as the best defensive player in baseball. And then Nolan Jones with not great range, but good enough defense he had he was 76th percentile in fielding run value and then again 100th percentile number 1 in arm value combined with great offense like legitimately nolan jones had a star year and if he played anywhere but colorado and if he got a full season anywhere else but colorado he probably would be Right there, neck and neck with Corbin Carroll for Rookie of the Year, simply based off of what he did, if he did it in a different market or in a different ballpark. In just a minute, let's talk about these amazing pitchers that we saw in 2023, because this rookie class was fantastic. We'll do that next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back into Lockton in MB Prospects, final segment of the Thursday show, talking about the National League Rookie Team of the Year. And I want to, real quick, this is a little bit of, a, of some struggle here. I've expressed this on the show before, one of the better rated rookie pitchers in the National League this year was Cody Singa of the Mets. He's 31 years old, he was a professional in Japan, and so it is very difficult Sully from Locked On MLB, he and I had this conversation early in the year, and we talked about create something like an Ichiro Suzuki Award for these guys so that they can come up, they can be recognized separately from there's a difference in a 31-year-old or 30-year-old Cody Singa and a 24-year-old Andrew Abbott, or who I'm about to talk about, a 20-year-old Yuri Perez coming out and having a great season. So maybe I I put Cody Singa on this list. You can't not recognize him for what he did. We've got our starting group here. I've got Yuri Perez. I've got Bobby Miller. I've got Cody Singa. I've got Andrew Abbott. Your reliever is Javier Assad, who jumped into the rotation late in the year for Chicago. And then looking at some of your other starters in the National League, you've got guys like Adre Jamison, Brandon Williamson. There was multiple different Cincinnati pitchers that could go in here too, just like in the infield. Ryan Pepio had some good starts for LA. And so, but I, but I want to talk about Yuri Perez, okay? With pitchers who had at least 50 innings pitched, he had the second highest strikeout rate of any rookie at 28.9%. Right behind, two-tenths of a percent behind Cody Singa's 29.1. And again, 10 years younger than Cody Singa. Yuri Perez was the youngest position player or the youngest player in Major League Baseball in the majors until Junior Caminero debuted late in the year. And on the year, 5 and 6 record, 315 ERA in 19 starts. He pitched 91 of the third innings. He had 108 strikeouts. So 10.6 per nine to 31, 31 walks, 3.1 per nine. Gave up 15 home runs, and I think the home runs are really the big part that he's got He's got to figure out. Yuri Perez did not allow, or correction, he, he allowed too many fly balls. He did not do a very good job of getting the ball on the ground. Fastball slider curve change is what he does. Fastball averages 98 miles an hour. Sliders mid-80s, 85, 86 or so. Those two pitches together over 75% of the time. He's got a curveball that's in the uh, low 80s, like 81 or so. And then the changeup sits right around 90 because it's playing off the fastball. Uh, And those two together come up to the rest of that 25%. And the issue is Yuri Perez just could not keep the ball on the ground. So the ground ball rate, 27.5%, was second percentile in all of baseball. And when you combine that with an average hard hit rate, 40%, and a significantly below average, like, like sorry, it's going to result in a significantly below or above average barrel rate, right? If you allow a lot of fly balls and you give up an average amount of hard hit balls, then your barrel rate is going to be very high. Because you'll remember, barrel rate is a combination of exit velocity and launch angle. And so, 40% hard hit rate, but only a 27% ground ball rate means that your barrel rate's 11th percentile at 10.7%. Some of the things that Yuri Perez has to work on, he throws the fastball in the zone. The goal is to keep the slider at the bottom of the zone, the curveball comes down below the zone, and the changeup is below and outside to a righty. And the goal here is, is the fastball, it feels like, is what's getting hit the most. The slugging percentage on Yuri Perez's fastball was a 585. Of all of the home runs, 10 of the 15 came off the fastball, and he threw it 45% of the time. And if you think about it, that's not a distribution that makes a ton of sense, right? It's He throws it for a strike so often, and it's got great velocity, but the movement isn't quite necessarily what you want to see that it ends up getting rocked. So getting the four-seamer to not be blasted is probably the number one off-season obstacle to look at for Yuri Perez. Because like it's got to be a location thing. When you look at the pitch itself, it has more vertical movement than average. It's got 10.8 inches of drop. So it's 15% better than average. It's got more horizontal movement than average. It's got 9 inches of break, which is an inch and a half more than average. So like 19% better. It's got to be location. And like I said, he throws it almost not entirely in the zone, but almost exclusively it is a pitch in the zone. He is trying to use that to then set you up with the slider or the curveball and the change. And he can get ambushed. I feel like half of those home runs were that one inning against Atlanta, that first inning when they absolutely blasted him over the summer. Off-season work for Yuri Perez. It was a very good debut. Off-season work for Yuri Perez. Get that fastball out of the zone a little bit more and or minimize how often you throw that early in the at-bat for something else, pitch some guys backwards so you don't give up as many home runs. Going through some of that list, I do want to real quick a reliever that didn't make this team and I thought he should. He had a good year and nobody really talked about him. Tom Cosgrove of the San Diego Padres, 2017 12th rounder by the Padres. So he's not one of those guys that they went and got off of waivers at age 27 and let him debut. He debuted this year, but he's been in their system the whole time. He Was a starter when he first got in there. uh, Started 21 games in 2018 out of 24 total in Fort Wayne. But by the end of 2019, they said, hey, you're going to be a reliever. And when he came back after the shutdown, he did not. I don't think he started another game until he started a game in rookie ball while rehabbing this year. But in 54 games in the majors, 51 in the third innings. 175 ERA. He only got one save. He was only asked to do it once or twice. That wasn't the role that he was in, but he was one of the primary setup guys for them and was one of the better holds guys in the National League. So shout out to Tom Cosgrove for that. And then Javier Assad, I think I mentioned him earlier, but I think he deserves a little bit of recognition. He ended up getting that reliever spot. You could argue he was the fifth starter because he started off in the pen and then moved into the rotation. But on the year, 5-3, three, 305 5 ERA, 32 games, 10 of those were starts, threw over 109 innings. And that stretch of nine straight starts he had from August 5th to September 19th. One, the team went 6-3. and three. He had a 3-1 record, but the team went 6-3 and three in that stretch, which is always good. But in those nine starts, 50 and two-thirds innings, 2-8-4 ERA for Javier Asad. The strikeouts weren't necessarily there. 39 strikeouts to 16 walks, 7 home runs allowed. But, 50 innings, 2-8-4 ERA as a starter, and then they bumped him back to the pin for the last bit of the season. I believe, having not looked into this, I believe that lines up with where Marcus Stroman came back. And so, in those final four games, he pitches 8-2 and thirds innings, and gives up three runs. I think it was like six hits, three runs in those last, that last little bit at the end of September. But showed that he could be a very effective starter. Gives this Cubs team a lot of other options in the rotation now. You can figure out what you're going to do. Fantastic week this week. One more of these coming up. We had to bump the mock draft to next week. But I think we're going to get a special guest in for that. So stay tuned there. In the meantime... If you have questions for our Monday mailbag, if you have segment ideas, show ideas, anything like that, tons of ways to get them to us. I'm on Twitter at CrosbyBaseball and everything else. The Discord, the subtext, the email, all of that, it's in our link tree that's in the episode description and that's in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.